Holy and gracious God, move through my words and through our hearts. Help us to hear what it is that you know we need. Feed us with the heavenly food that is you, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it has been a busy summer. There have been many things going on, and I have been gone more than I have been home. And it is nice to be back. But as you can imagine, not everything went smoothly all the time. Before heading to the Camus Outdoor Center in Scotland, our youth and the families that were traveling with us those of us who were going to the Outdoor Center, we stayed on the island of Iona and got to explore. Now, Iona is a sacred place and it is a beautiful place. The first Celtic cross is there. There are all of these beautiful standing stone crosses and there are hills and beaches. And so the Iona community has put together a pilgrimage with different prayers at different locations, different reflections on the journey. And there is one place on this pilgrimage, I have gone to Iona many, many times, but there is one place that I have never made it to. It is the marble quarry on Iona. This marble is famous, some of it is in Westminster Abbey, it makes up the high altar um, the, um, in the cathedral at Iona Abbey. It has these beautiful green veins, it's the same stone right above Joyce's head. And I had never seen the place that it had come from. And I told the youth that we can go on this pilgrimage and there's different places, but we have to make a choice. We can try to find the quarry or we can just bypass it and go on. Well, we have an adventurous group of youth and they absolutely wanted to find this quarry. And so I asked everyone in town, I walked into the Iona uh, Abbey gift shop and I said, I'm going on the pilgrimage with the youth. Which book do I buy? They gave me the book of prayers. And then I said, there's one place that I'm wondering if you can help me. And they said, oh, please don't ask us how to find the quarry. <laughs> we went on our way and there were beautiful vistas and moments of reflection, lots of sheep, a fair amount of rain. And I was feeling pretty good. I had a sense of where we were and we were following the path. I thought we were on our way and all of a sudden we stopped and realized none of us knew where the trail was. It had disappeared out from under our feet. We never found it. We never got there. We wandered around and our youth would say, let's just try over this next hill and they would run off. And then they found some really great cliffs to go rock climbing up. And I decided to avert my eyes so that I wasn't liable. <laughs> I had a wonderful time until the rain got really, really hard. And so we circled up and I told them, you know, in this book is a prayer just in case you get lost. And I read this prayer to their widening eyes. It's an alarming experience to lose your way. Sometimes we don't know where we are going. Sometimes we don't know what is the right way forward. The worst moment is when you know no landmark and it starts to rain. God of Moses and the children of Israel, we may not know where we are, but you know, 
No one is lost to you. In this unexpected pause that you give us on our journey, help us to learn what you are teaching us. That life is not always as clear and, and as straightforward as we would like it to, to be. That we do not know the answers, or all the answers. That we're not always right. And it does nothing for us or the gospel or you when we pretend otherwise. That life is a mystery and can never be fully known, even by those who are trying to lead the way. That faith flourishes more amid honest doubt than uncertainty. And we learn more from our failures than our successes. And your truth is shared most effectively when we listen to other people and learn from them and seek the way together. But teach us, God, that actually we do know where we are. We are here. Teach us to value the here and now because this is all we ever have. This is what is most real, and this, this here and now is our starting point. Take us then one step at a time the way you want to go. And if it pleases you, God of Moses and the children of Israel, please don't leave us wandering out here for 40 years before leading us out of the wilderness. Amen. The description of getting lost was so perfect and so where we were. We were here. Friends, I get lost. And if we're honest, we all do. And it's more than just with GPS leading us down one-way roads. We have goals. We have ways we want our lives to be, paths we thought relationships would take. We find ourselves lost. And we can have this deep sense that something is wrong with us when we experience it. Jesus, in our story this morning, when he tells these parables, he seems very uninterested in the sense of what is right and wrong, of following the correct path. He seems much more interested in the lost. The Gospel of Luke is full of stories where Jesus turns everything on its head. What was once thought to be profane is now sacred. Those who are right are suddenly shown for the ways in which they get it wrong. There is a danger, in fact, in Jesus' parables, in his ministry and his life and death and resurrection, especially in the Gospel of Luke, of feeling sure, of feeling like you don't need to be found, of knowing you are in the in-crowd. And it's uncomfortable, this teaching of Jesus. In the parable about the lost sheep, it had to be interesting for the 99 other sheep, wondering, where are you going? You are leaving us. And Jesus puts the point home even sharper with the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. Jesus doesn't resolve the tension between the father and the oldest son. They're outside the party, left forever for us to wonder if he ever joins the celebration, if they are ever reconciled one to the other. And I think that's a tension that exists often in church. 
there are people who have incredible experiences of being found, of discovering new parts of themselves, of seeing God in new ways. And then there are people who don't experience that. Those who are holding steady and holding down the fort, doing what is supposed to be done. That's part of the joy for me of getting to work with youth, because there are so many times of going away and then figuring what to bring back. But there can be a tension in the return. One of the joys of the summer trips were all of the ways of watching our young people pursuing wholeness and joy in their lives. Of going away and seeing how life could be different, how they could be different, of discovering who they were in new ways, making new friends, getting to live in a type of freedom and joy that makes you think differently about coming home. And that can lead to challenges, that can lead to a sense of feeling lost, that can lead to arguments at home. Sorry parents, but it is part of the journey. Sometimes when we leave to find a part of ourself that has been lost, maybe joy or playfulness, there are parts of our life that call out like the 99 sheep, where are you going? Sometimes we can be the older brother to ourselves. When we have those moments of breakthrough or experiencing life in a new way, questioning ourselves, what are you doing? What about me? I love working with youth and being away because it always puts things in perspective for me. It reminds me of the parts of myself that I push aside those playful and noisy and joyful parts of myself, the silly parts of myself. Being with youth reminds me the importance of friendships, the importance of protecting and feeding my own marriage and life. The parts of myself that get a bit lost in the day-to-day -day and doing what I'm supposed to instead of what is most important. Jesus calls us into those places of feeling a little bit lost to find life anew. And youth remind me of that over and over again. The church has been such an important part of my life. It's part of what I do professionally in the world, sure, but it is so much of what raised me. But if I'm honest, there are places where we can get it wrong. We can teach people that those joyful and fun parts, those places where we need to get lost and explore, that that is straying too far, that those questions shouldn't be asked. We can sometimes say, if you have faith enough, everything will be fine and all will be joyous, but that ignores so much of our human experience and where Jesus is showing up. And our youth see through that so very fast. When we were at Montreat, one of our small groups had a moment talking about mental health that 
went completely off the rails. And our youth stood up in ways that do not surprise me at all to share how important caring for ourselves and our mental health, the utilization of medication when it is appropriate, a finding therapist, that Jesus is not the magic pill that solves it all, but is definitely part of the treatment plan. And I was so proud. I was also glad that I wasn't in the room because I would have flown off the handle and you would have gotten a call. But they stood fast and they knew where they had found God, where Jesus had found them when they felt lost, and that there were other helpers along the way that they weren't going to turn their backs on. God is so much bigger. Jesus' grace extends so much farther, and yet we can be stingy. Just stay on this path, live in these ways, don't wander too far. And Jesus seems completely uninterested in that. Everything that Jesus offers, all of the gospel, has this radical sense of a turned over world where the lost are actually the ones who are finally open to being found. That where we struggle and fall is exactly where we are met by grace. That it's not about what we accomplish, but it's about accepting love. So for all of us, I invite you to get lost when you need to, to do things that don't compute. There are so many places in our lives where we can be open to love and to embrace others if we can slow down and waste some time. When we center the lost, when we center the lost parts of ourselves, the lost dreams, when we ask hard questions of our faith, then we are open to being found. So I want to share with you some things that I have rediscovered about myself because of our youth, and I think about this community. One thing I will share with you is that we are a lover of animals. I don't know how it happened at Montreat, but there was a dog who had a nice little rotation to all the different camps and would come around to our house every day at dinner, just right on time. And I've never seen such joy. We would call through the house, she's here! We came up with six or seven different names. They were all wonderful, great dog names. We had also been warned that there was an uptick in bears in our area. And I don't want to say that someone left the trash can open on purpose to see the bears. <laughs> although I have my doubts. But I've never seen such joy as a group of youth crawled out onto the roof of the porch and for an hour watched this bear and her two cubs. They were transfixed. And then this beautiful moment happened where as much as they were enjoying getting to see these incredible creatures, they said, you know, it's really not good for them to be eating the trash. David, can you go lock up the trash can? <laughs> 
I will tell you that some of our youth wanted to go with me on this journey, and I explained to them that it was a lot more paperwork if they got hurt. With me, it was just workers' comp. It's just much simpler <laughs> that they had to stay. Another thing I discovered about our youth is that they can have fun just about anywhere, anytime. There were so many games that started, so many different ways of finding joy that I found myself reawakening that love of life in ways that I didn't know. I also discovered that, and this should not have surprised me, but that their desire to help others, not only washing the dishes and putting things away, that they were great at, but of wanting to serve in our community and with our community partners was so deep. And that they want to be a part of worship and music and all of these things that feed us and feed them. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was everything that I needed. And it also made me nervous. Because when we risk getting involved with each other across generations and experiences, there will be moments of tension where not everything will be for us. It may be for our neighbor. It may be for a young person who likes to dance every so often with music. Although after watching you all, I think you're down for that. <laughs> but there is that tension, right? What if we risk trying to call out and put forward a part of ourself that hasn't always been around or that we've forgotten for a while? But it's so beautiful and worth it and exactly who I think Jesus calls us to be. So I want to invite us all, even if we are not journeying with our youth or being a uh, youth advisor or an advisor next year when we go to Montreat and Massanetta, although you are warmly welcomed, I want to invite you to listen to the parts of yourself. The part of yourself that maybe feels a little lost or that has empathy for our young people and the challenges they face or that fills with life when you see them in their joy. What are the parts of yourself that maybe feel a little lost that are worth spending some time getting to know? Of welcoming home, of throwing a party for and celebrating. Because those seem to be the places where Jesus shows up and calls us into new life. Friends, we are here. We are here in this place, in this time. Let us get lost together in the depths so that we can be found and experience new life. In the name of the one who was and is and evermore shall be. Amen. Amen.